We're so delighted that you are here on this beautiful Lord's Day, and you've already welcomed your neighbor. But just take a minute and say, thank you, Lord, for being here today to touch me. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for touching me. Well, it was Tuesday morning. It was Tuesday morning I was headed to the church. And somewhere down on Kearney Street, I just breathed up a prayer to the Lord. I said, Lord, would you give me something to give to the people on Sunday morning? And it wasn't very long after that that uh, I heard the still small voice of the Spirit of God speak to my heart and say, tell them that I love them. And I was thinking it, but it was the same as saying it out loud. I said, Lord, we know that you love us. And I almost wanted to say, don't you have something else? You have something, you know, that will just you know, kind of rock us and, and uh, that's real catchy or whatever. And, and uh, all of a sudden, that still small voice spoke to my heart and said, there's a difference between talking about love and saying love than love in action. And as soon as I pulled into the church parking lot, I wrote down, I took a piece of paper and I wrote down the thought for today, and that is the mission of God's love in action. And as the message progressed during the, during the day, I wrote down loud love. How many of you know that love that is loud does not have to be loud? That it can still speak loud, but it doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be screaming it. But whenever something happens... And you know that God's love is working. It speaks volumes to us. And so I asked the text this week to make us a slide. And this is what they have. The title of the sermon today is Loud Love, taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 8-11. through 11. Let me read it to you. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only Son... To the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Would somebody say an amen to that? Let us pray this morning. Lord, how good it is for us to be here on this beautiful day. We love You and we honor You. And we certainly know that You love us, and we've experienced your love in our lives. Lord, not only have you saved our souls, but Lord, you've saved our lives. You are saving our lives. May you be blessed by your people today as we live to honor you, to serve you. And Lord, we humbly ask that your Spirit's anointing would rest upon not only your church, not only upon your divine word, but on your servant as well. For it is in your powerful name we ask these sayings. Amen. The mission of love in action is powerful, very, very powerful, extremely powerful. Uh, we were going on a missions trip to the Apache Indians in Arizona. Sister Blackard and I had taken my mother and Nathan as a baby, and we were going out to spend some time. Uh, she wanted to spend some time with her folks, and so we said, we'll drive you out there because we're so close. We're in Arizona. We'll just be so close. And on the drive out there, Sister Blackard, she took and she began to write the agenda 
she had been working on it, and, and, and on the trip, she began to write down the agenda for the time that we would spend in uh, Arizona with the Apache Indian tribe. She titled it, The Power of Love. And she took every day a different uh, perspective of the love of God in action. And she presented that uh, as the men would work on the church, we would go out into the community and we would uh, gather in the kids and, and uh, we would have uh, a daily, uh, kind of like a vacation Bible school. and We would give them Jesus. And uh, if those of you that were on that trip, you'll remember that little fellow that first night in service, they had a little, a little uh, ramp that kind of went down to the, to the front of the church. A little guy ran in there and he dropped his hot dog. And the hot dog rolled all the way down the center aisle. He grabbed that hot dog and just scarfed it down before we could do anything. Well, anyway, I have those great memories. And when we were ready to leave uh, the Apache Indian Reservation, it was a wonderful, wonderful trip that we had. One of the elders came up to Sister Blackard and I and said, we must thank you. We want to thank you. And on behalf of uh, the tribe, we say thank you for coming. And the missionary, thank you and for coming. And then he made a statement to us, and he said, in the Apache language, there's no word for love. We have no word for love in the Apache language. We looked at him, and he said, how appropriate, the power of love, because we believe that love has to be shown and given. And there was an exchange of gifts during that last couple days, and I remember that a young man took off his coat and gave me his coat. I didn't have enough gifts to give everybody that were giving me items. And they did it with such a grateful heart. I received a pocket knife that had great meaning to somebody. This jacket, even though it didn't really fit me, you know, the, the tribe, the leader said, don't give it back because, don't refuse it because that's an insult. And I left there with a new appreciation of the power of love. It changed the way that I have conducted business in the ministry for many, many years following that, and that is simply this. Love is not love until you give it away. Love is not love until you express it. And when I was listening to the Spirit of the Lord speak to my heart, and I was serious, Lord, we need something to share with the people on Sunday morning. This was Tuesday, and he said, tell them I love them. I was like, Lord, that we know you love us. But then it was like, it is the mission of God to love in action. So I went and I began to look at scripture to find out love in action. And I found the love of a mother. The love of a mother. It is found in the book of 1 Kings. The Bible says that there were two ladies that lived together. They were both prostitutes. They both had children about the same time. And during the night, one of the, one of the mothers rolled over and laid upon one of the children, and the little baby died. And the next morning, they went to the king, and the one lady that had, that had rolled over on, on her child, and, the, and she suffocated her own child, she went before King Solomon, and she said to the king, she said, we were in the bed, and, and we had the children, and the, my friend here, she rolled over on my child and died. What had happened was they, she had switched the babies. 
She switched the babies of the morning time so that the mother who had the living baby, she now was cradled up next to the dead baby. And she was saying, this baby is mine and the baby that you are beside is yours, which was totally wrong. And King Solomon, he did not ask God whenever he came into the kingdom. He didn't ask God for riches. He didn't ask God to take it and give him favor with the enemies and destroy his enemies. He did not ask for riches. He simply said, Lord, give me, give me a spirit that I can govern wisely. I can govern, I can govern the people righteously and rightly. And God said, because you have not asked for the material things, I'm going to give you not only wisdom, but I'm going to give you everything thing that the kingdom has to offer. And so King Solomon, a wise man, he listened to them with a heart open to find the truth. Oh God, if only our leaders would look for the truth. Only if we would look for the truth. If only we would tell the truth and, and look for the truth. Amen. And so King Solomon, he looked at the situation and he said, bring me a sword. I'll take care of this situation real quick, girls. God granted and made us with two eyes, and two nostrils, and two ears, two hands and two feet. Oh, but one mouth. I'll just take and I'll divide this baby that's alive right down the center, make it identical parts, and I'll give to you one half of the baby, and I'll give to you the other half of the baby, and you guys can leave happy that you got your way. Now, I read the commentaries, and it said that because these ladies were prostitutes, that they really uh, did not really want their child anyway. It was a hindrance to them. But the one mother, she wanted to keep her child. She had a heart. She had a heart. And just about the time that the king was ready to divide the two babies, and that was not an uncommon thing in that day to, to use some very sadistic type of punishment that would be meted out. And she cried out, No! Give her the baby that's alive. And the king looked at that situation. You talk about loud love. She, no doubt, screamed it out. No, king, do not divide the live baby. You can give it to the other one. You can give it to my so-called friend. You can give it to the one that, that is claiming that it's her baby. You go ahead and give it. And King Solomon stepped back and he said, No, you get the baby because the baby's yours. And he used the logic and very good logic because of the love of a mother. She said, I will surrender my child. Now, the, and you read the scripture and the other lady said, go ahead, kill them. Go ahead and divide them. And the true heart came forward. King Solomon was very wise in the fact that he said, no, you are getting the baby because you have loud love. Sometimes wisdom defiles and defi defies, not defiles, defies that what would make sense to us. Many call it simply common sense. Common sense says look out for number one because if you don't, nobody else will. You realize that you recognize that in our culture today? Common sense says, uh, says you come first, middle, and last. 
before anything or anyone else, you need to take care of yourself. Common sense might say, if I can't have it, neither can you. King Solomon called for that sword and made his judgment because of the mother's love. Love is defined in this way. Love is an attachment of the affections to any person, object, accompanied with an adherent desire to promote its happiness. By abstaining from anything that would cause injury to come to it. By doing all that can to promote its welfare, its comfort, its interest whether it is indifferent to those efforts or whether it is appreciated by those efforts. And I thought, Lord, that is such a powerful definition of love. I broke it down and I said, the attachment, uh, as life progresses, we become attached to those that we love. In fact, some say that the longer we live with somebody, the more we start looking like them. I would probably say we'd probably start acting like them a little bit, but I don't know about that looking like them. Although I've seen some folks that look pretty much close. But there's an attachment. Now, now let me give you an illustration of this. There are those that have given birth to babies, and the baby did not make it and died. Died at birth or died in the first hours of the, of the birth. And even though there's an attachment to that baby... It's not like a 12 to 20 year old little child that grows and runs around the house and gets excited about Christmas and, and just is joyous and brings you so much joy and, and uh, oh listen, you want joy, be with me on Sunday morning whenever my grandkids invade me. I love it. There is an attachment that happens and over the time of life as you progress, you begin, become more attached to that child because of the personality and your investment in their life. Not that you don't feel or have uh, uh, you know, feelings about the baby that died. Yes. But there's a detachment that takes place. It takes place. And I will simply say this, that I believe that long, whenever we get to heaven, the longer we're in heaven, the more beautiful it's going to be. Every single moment is going to be better and better and better. And I think if you miss heaven and you wind up in hell, it's going to be worse and worse every day. Number two is the affection. Affection is an ongoing process. You know, uh, they tell you to become friends before you can become married. And I think that's a pretty good uh, formula, amen. If you can't be friends before you get married, it's going to make you friends when you, after you get married. I know, Pastor, you're just meddling. No, I'm just following my notes. Affection is ongoing. It's a pronoun. In other words, it is active, it's alive, it's ongoing. And I will tell you that every moment of your life, as you are making that attachment to something or someone, and you are affectionate in your response, it is pronoun, it is actively working. Have you told the Lord today you love Him? You have and you've shown Him that you love Him by simply coming to church. You can love the Lord without being in church. I understand that. But then we would be uh, denied your presence. And I like your smiles. Amen. Sister Kathy, you had it right. They look good, don't they? Amen. 
Number three is an adherent desire. And you have to couple this with the last two, and that is to abstain from anything that causes injury. Listen, if you're walking along a busy uh, highway and you're walking with your wife uh, or your daughter or, or, or even your children, your, your toddlers or your grandkids or whatever, don't put them on the street side. Get them over on the other side. Get them on the safe side. Get them over there where that you know that you can protect them. Oh, come on, preach with me this morning, church. And get them over there where that, that they can be protected, amen. Don't stick them out in harm's way. Don't put them out there where that something bad could happen. You have this adherent desire, amen, to abstain from anything that would cause injury. Be careful what you say out of your mouth. <clears throat> Be careful out of a, out of a moment of anger or, or a moment of spite to say something that you will regret for many, many weeks. Be careful because of the fact is there should be a desire to abstain from anything that would cause injury. And then lastly is the appreciation efforts. You keep on showing love even if it's not appreciated. Keep on showing love, even if nobody else loves you back. You keep on loving folks, amen, because God will pay you great dividends, amen. He'll give you dividends, praise God, beyond your wildest dreams or imagination, amen. Oh, praise God, this morning a young man came into my office and said, Pastor, I just want to do something for you and Sister Susan, amen, because I want you to know I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the encouragement, amen. And he gave me three pounds of Hershey's. I love you too. Somebody said, well, what are you going to do with it, amen? I said, I'm going to get me a chainsaw and cut it up in pieces that we can handle. I said, please don't let Sister Susan see this. Uh, she'll, be, she'll kill you and me both. I showed it to Sister Susan and she said, hmm, that's nice. Who gave it to you? Nathan, I don't have any clue what I'm going to do with it. I know you're dying to know who it was that gave it, but I'm not going to share it. Listen, if you don't think, that, that takes your old spiritual wood and dries it in a hurry. That gets you excited. When somebody comes up and says, oh, you are an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration. Charlie, you're an inspiration to me. You're a hard worker. And when, even, even when you get hurt, you still keep working. Charlie is the second one here every Sunday morning, right behind Mike Hall. He's the second one here every single Sunday morning, amen. Is there anything I can do, Pastor? Have the doors open, amen. Are the lights on? Can I make coffee? What? And Charlie, I just want you to know, man, I appreciate you. Eddie, you're in the right place. It's been a while since we've seen you. You put some height on. And, yeah, do you feel good? Yeah, amen. Feel good. Praise God. I've lost my place. Somebody help me. Chocolate, 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 chocolate. Huh? Do what? Yeah, keep loving whenever they don't even love you back. Amen. Oh, praise God. And so, this mother shouted out loud. Number two, the love of a stranger. 
God knows that he's got you if you are willing to love your neighbor as yourself. The commandment is, a, the young lawyer asks uh, the Lord, what is the greatest commandments of the law? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, your body, everything about you. Love God first and then love others as yourself. That is a very high bar to follow. I can love you if you love me back. I can love you if you love me first. I can love you if I can uh, get something good out of whatever it is that you, you're offering. Come on. That's the world. That's not spiritual. Spiritual is, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. But you know what? The good Samaritan, praise God, and even when the lawyer asked the Lord, he, he took him to this story, and many believe it's just a parable, and a parable is a heavenly story with earthly meaning. That's all a parable is. Gives you a heavenly story and then applies it on the, on the way that we live and where we live. Whether it actually happened or not, I don't know, but it sure is powerful because the Lord said basically to the young lawyer, he says, listen, uh, there was a man going down from Jericho. He was going to Jericho and uh, to Jerusalem and he got, he got attacked by thieves. They beat him up. They stripped him of his raiment. They took his sandals. They took his money and then they left him for dead. And guess what? Three men came along the way. One of them came and he was a, he was a, a, a priest. And he looked at him and went to the other side. Didn't even look at him, went to the other side. The other was a Levite. He didn't look at him. He went to the other side, even though they knew he was there. But the Samaritan, who despised, was despised of that day, stopped and began to minister to this beat-up man. Now, here's what I wrote down. Love is good when you look at the direction of the hurting. Think about that just for a moment. If you're looking at the hurting of this world and you're looking at them or you're, or you're looking at somebody that's hurting in this world, that's commendable. But that's not the kind of love that the Lord spoke to my heart on Tuesday morning. Love is to stop your own agenda and to consider and look. But that's still not the kind of love that the Lord was talking to me about. The kind of love that the Lord was talking about was stop your donkey Stop your pickup. Never mind. Get up off your donkey. Roll up your sleeves. Get down into the ditch with the guy that's bleeding to death. And take and begin to minister to keep him alive. I'm not literally saying find somebody that's about to die and take and just... You know, do what? No, I'm saying you got to look in the direction of the hurting. Now, then you got to stop your own agenda and say, you know what? Where I'm headed today is not as important as what the Lord's trying to get me to do. Stop and get off your donkey. Get dirty. Now we're getting we're getting to get into the loud love, huh? Are we not moving into loud love now? Because you see, loud love gets off your donkey and gets down in to, it, it drives for miles to get somebody. It, it, loud love, amen, is it, to stop what you're doing and say, you're more important than what I've got going on. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to stop and pray with you. And then loud love says, here, you ride on my donkey and I'll walk. That certainly is not the love of the world, is it? You get on my donkey. I'm going to put you on my donkey. And then when you get to the place where that he can spend the night and, and get out of the, the heat or the cold or whatever it was, uh, and, and he says, listen, 
Whatever it takes to get, make sure this guy is taken care of, when I come back through, I'll, I'll settle up with you and I'll take care of it. Wow, that is loud love. When you pull your billfold out. Thank you, Brother Randy. Anybody getting anything out of this message this morning? Lord, thank you. Amen. Because I know one thing, I'm probably going to have to get my wallet out this week. I wrote down these things. A heart for the hurting. Lord, give us a heart for the hurting. A mugging in the making. You know that everybody's going to get mugged at some time or another. It may not be physically. A mugging in the making. Well, I thought that was pretty, pretty good. Like a good neighbor, Jesus is there. Tuesday was such a good day. I was sitting in my office with the window open, minded my own business. <clears throat> my brother came to see me, and I always love it when my younger brother comes and sees me, David. And he's sitting there and talking to me, and I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden, a man in his probably late 40s, early 50s opened the door and walked in the side door. I said, sir, get your dog out of the church. Stay with me. It was a pit bull. I don't have anything against pit bulls. I just don't like dogs in the church. He said, it's a service dog. I said, it don't look like a service dog to me. Get your dog out of the church. Now, you might not appreciate this, but I don't like dogs in the church. I'm pretty lenient about a lot of things in the church. But that's one thing I don't like. This is God's house. Come on. This is God's house. He looked at me and he said, okay. And he walked out to the window and he said, can I still talk to you? I said, sure. I said, I want you to understand something. This house is God's house. It's been dedicated to the glory of God. And I just have a thing about dogs. The reason why I have a thing about dogs is because I was a presser at one time and we were installing, we were installing a new pastor in a church that had struggled and struggled and struggled. And when I met up with him with another minister, amen, he brought uh, two dogs into the church. And it came down and jumped up on the altar and was up on the platform and everything. And I said to the man that I was with, I said, he's not going to mount anything here. Come on. Let me put it to you this way. Youth pastor had a Christmas program one time and he hired, uh, he got a camel in here and he got a donkey in here and all kinds of other things. And when they got the bill, it was $20,000. I can see that you animal lovers are not happy with what I'm saying today. Young man got a, him and his buddy put a donkey, a little donkey inside, a little baby bull inside of a uh, lady's house and it tore the house all apart. And they swore them down that they did it, but the mother swore them down they didn't. But you can bring your kids to church. You can bring your grandkids to church, even if you have to put a, a collar around them and bring them in. I went outside and I talked with this man. And he knew immediately, he knew immediately 
that I had some concern for him. I listened to his story with big tears running down his eyes and his cheek. You know, he said, oh, he said, preacher, he said, listen, he said, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. And I said, I understand that. You know, what have you been doing today? It's been, you know, just, just a big, big, big problem. And so I said, well, I'll give you a $20 bill. I had two 20s on me. And my brother said to me, he said, wow. I said, David, you have no clue what happens over here. But my heart said, I'm going to do something to help him. In spite of the fact that he kind of upset me because he brought his dog into church. Well, you learned something about me today, didn't you? My brother looked at me and he said, wow, will you, ever, will you get your money back? And I know I'm working on the message and I'm going, Tuesday, loud love. May it speak to somebody. May, it, may your actions speak to somebody. Well, I wish I hadn't shared the dog story because some of you are looking at me like daggers. You're just, ah, yeah. I can't believe he's not a dog lover. I am a dog lover. We might as well just pray and dismiss and, and go about our way. I love dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs. I went to see an older couple because they'd missed church for some time. And I walk into their house. And I mean, I didn't even hardly get invited in until their little, little bitty dog. I don't know if it was a chihuahua or what it was, but it was attached to the back of my foot right here. I'm trying to get it off of me. And I'm saying, Lord, if I drop kick it, well, they're going to leave the church. If I step on his little head, they're gonna, it's not going to be good, amen. And, and I finally got it off my leg, amen. And, and about uh, four months later, the word got back to me, Pastor, don't come see us anymore. You've heard me tell the story about my mom and dad going to see this lady who stepped on the foot of her wolf dog on the front porch. And it literally took about half of her heel off. She went to the hospital, had it fixed, and come back home and they went to see her and to see how she was doing. And when they pulled into the driveway, here comes this crazy big old wolf dog. And they said you could just see the muscles rippling in his, in his chest and his tongue hanging out, you know, and his ears are running like this. And it gets on my mother's side of the car and just starts showing its teeth and growling and carrying on. And, you know, and just like, I dare you to get out of the car. I dare you to get out of the car, amen. And, and the little, poor little lady of the church, she come hobbling down the front porch and said, oh, get out, pastor, he won't bite. I'm going to wind up my dog stories here real quick. I'm in trouble, Sister Laura. I'm in trouble this morning. Woo. I'm digging a big hole, amen. My dad and I, we went to visit a, an older couple, amen, and we turned and walked around the corner, and, and we knew this in the back, and we opened up the, 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 the chain link fence, and we walked in, and this big, beautiful, big old black husky dog come running at us. And you can tell when they're happy and when they're not. If they're, you know, if their tail's doing this number, you're probably safe. But if it's like this, boy, you're in trouble. And that big old dog come running around the corner, you know. And I'll never forget what my dad did. He said, in Jesus' name. And that old dog went. Ah! Oh, so much for dog stories. You know, a dog has 1,400 pounds a square inch of bite when it bites down on you. 1,400 that's a lot. 
But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This is my commandment that you love one another. The third action of love, loud love, is found in the book of Hosea. And I put this down as the love of a Savior in action. Hosea 1 and 2 says, God tells Hosea to go take a wife of the harder tree. Because the land has committed great unfaithfulness and fornication. Hosea was a righteous man. He was, a, he, he was from the tribe of Eskar and... He was used of God to warn Jerusalem of coming and impeding judgment. You see, if you look at the story and you find the two parallels of God and Hosea and Gomer, his wife, you find something very interesting. God is always faithful. Could we get a witness to that? Hosea was a faithful man. He listened to the voice of God. And God gave him a heart to love Gomer, even though Gomer did not love him. She would get into those moments where she would leave home and she would go out and, and get in all kinds of trouble and, and Hosea would go after her on many occasions, had to redeem her back, had to buy her back and would bring her home and, and, and get her back to a place to where that she could function. And then she would go out into the night again, not very long after that. And Hosea repeated it over and over again. It was a symbolic typology that God was saying, listen, you listen to, you watch the man Hosea. You watch him and what he does with his unfaithful wife. It is me as God trying to deal with an unfaithful nation. No matter how bad it got, no matter what it was, Hosea had a love that spoke loudly. He would go find her and purchase her back and bring her back. And God would say, this is exactly what I will do with my people, even though they are unfaithful to me. Father overheard his two boys speaking one day. One son said to the younger son, listen, you better do good or get, our dad won't love you. You better do good or get, our dad won't love you. And the father, he began to listen to that and he got the two boys together and he set them down. He said, listen, and thank you, Sister Laney, for bringing us the prodigal today kind of on the front burner. He set his two boys down. He said, listen, father will love you. When you are doing good, Father will love you and it will make Father very happy. But I will love you when you're not doing good. I'll love you when you're not doing good, but it will not make me happy. It will make me sad. And I said, Lord, that is, that's powerful. That's powerful. God, you love us when we do good. makes you happy. But you still love us when we're not doing good. It just doesn't make you happy. Like Hosea, who would go out in the night and find his wife Gomer, buy her back, bring her home. God is out looking for the wayward, the prodigal. I want you to put that slide back up, Don, if you would. 
Chris and Lane, would you join me, please? There was a man by the name of William Dixon. William Dixon was a, a good man. He had, he had lost his wife. She had passed away, and he was now a widower. He had been a widower for several years, and he had no children of his own. He had, he had no, no wife or no children. And he made friends with his neighbor's grandson. There's an older lady that older lady that had been taken and taken care of her grandson. And he began to become friends with his little grandson. One day, Mr. Dixon, even though he was up in his age, he saw a scene that was happening before his very eyes. The house was on fire and grandma had gotten out. But the little boy was on the second floor and he hadn't gotten out of the fire or the burning, the burning building. And Mr. Dixon, he jumped into action very quickly and he climbed the, the, the stove pipe, the, the pipe, that, the, the gutter pipe. It was not like we have the, the, the ones today, uh, uh, but it was a big round piece of steel pipe and he climbed that steel pipe to get to that little boy and he got him out of the second story and carried him in his arms and brought him down. Not much was said until the grandmother, she passed away. And the entire neighborhood and the entire town knew that this little boy was now, a, he was a, an orphan. And several began to petition the court to let them take him and raise him as their own. Mr. Dixon was one of those that petitioned the court. And they gave him a court appearance along with two other finalists. There was three people. The first one began to appear before the judge in the court and began to share about how that they had extra room in their house and how that they had plenty to give to the child and, and they, would, they just would love to have him as, as their own child to adopt. The second was a very prominent man in the neighborhood in the community, a man that was well-versed in, uh, in, in, uh, in power and had a lot of wealth, and uh, he petitioned the court to say, I'll take the boy and I'll give him a good education. I'll. And it was kind of out of sympathy, I think, they said. But when Mr. Dixon walked before the court, he did not say one word. He didn't say one word. What he did was he just held out his hands. And what people didn't know was, was that whenever Mr. Dixon climbed that pipe, it was red hot. And it disfigured his hands. It, it burned his hands to the point where it took many, many months for it to heal to be able to be used. And he was deformed in his hands because of the act of love. And he just held his hands out. And his burnt hands spoke volumes. It screamed loud love. Loud love. And the judge said without hesitation, Mr. Dixon, this court awards you full custody of the little lad. Take him home. Raise him and love him. All you have to do is look at Jesus' hands. If you don't think that's loud love, I don't know what it is. And do you know, in the book of Zechariah, the nation of Israel looks at Jesus in the end time and they say, what are those wounds in your hands? 
That tells me that the wounds are still in his hands even though he's in heaven. In other words, he never forgets what he did for you. About the time that the world is ready to cut us in two and say, you know what, you can have half and you take the other half, the Lord steps up and says, no. I give you love. I give you life. I trust this morning that this message has blessed you. Because I will tell you that without question, without question, it was God given to your pastor. When I close the book in my office and set it aside with the message completed, all I could say was, Lord, thank you for showing me your loud love. Help me to have loud love. Help you to have loud love as well. I asked the Lord one thing this morning, and that is, Lord, if you want a missionary to come to church, you send a missionary to us this morning. And I haven't asked, I've been looking here, is there anyone here that's a missionary? All right? So we were going to take you on for a year. Wait till I get this out among the preachers and the missionaries. <laughs> Should have come north side. I love you guys. Sister Blacker loves you. You're incredible people. I don't know that 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 we would have stayed as long as we've stayed if we didn't have people that cared about other people and love people. And you care about people and you love people. We love you very much. We love you dearly. But what we must do, we must do quickly because time is running out. Would you pray that God will give the missions committee today uh, wisdom and direction as we open up and uh, we talk about missions at Northside and the next quarter that we have on the agenda. I will tell you this, that we are we're going to uh, start this coming Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to do this Wednesday night at 6.30 to call the church to prayer. If you can come at 6.30 on the Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, you come and join us with prayer. And then the last Wednesday night, we're also going to call you to prayer. We're going to skip the, the next Wednesday, and then we're going to move into the last Wednesday and call you to prayer as well. And then in May, we're going to start a series called The Chosen. It's a 45 to 35 to 45 minute DVD that will bless you tremendously. We're going to start this on May, first Wednesday night in May, and we're going to run it for eight weeks. My prayer is you'll show up. You'll come and be blessed. I want you to pray this week that God will begin to fill the house again. God will begin to fill the house with hungry hearts. This is a good church. You're good people. God has people out there that just need you and who we need. Let's pray. Lord, I want to say thank you even if I gave some personal stuff today out of my life. love you, Lord. There's so many hurting hearts, hurting people. I just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to use Northside Assembly of God, whether it be reaching out 
to the oppressed, reaching out in missions, reaching out to give little mothers some diapers. Whatever it might be, Lord, that you'll use it for your honor and your glory. And that you'll continue, Lord, to pour your blessings upon Northside Assembly. Would you stand with me this morning, if you would, please? Is there one here today that you just want to give your heart and life to Jesus? You say, I'm just ready to come back home. I'm a prodigal. I'm ready to come home to Jesus. I'll walk you and lead you through the prayer. And you can leave here with all of your sins covered by the blood of Christ. Calvary is loud love for you. Is there one that would just simply raise your hand and say, yep, it's me. asked the guy one time, they said, when does life truly begin? And he said, well, life begins. One of them said, life begins that when the baby is, is conceived in the womb. And they said, well, that's interesting. Another one said, well, life begins whenever that baby takes its first breath. And the Assembly God boy said, life begins when the last child is married off and the dog dies. I just had to put one more in there for you, amen. I want to get. I, I want to receive a lot of letters out there, Amen. Send them on, Amen. And we'll pray for you, Amen. I'm a dog lover. I am, but I just don't want them in the church. Make sure you give one of these missions committee members a little cash so that we can we can take on another missionary downstairs, and we'll talk about who that might be. God bless you. Have a great day, Amen. God has been good to us, and He's been good to you, Amen.